for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's day one of the hunt, y'all, and you're standing in the middle of a meadow. Goal number one, locate elk or identify areas elk are using. What are you looking for? Tracks, droppings, urine, is the grass chewed? Is there a water source nearby? Are there used trails coming in and out of the meadow? Where are the funnels to check? What are funnels? Look, up to this point, y'all, most of our episodes are usually helping you with the killing part of elk hunting. In other words, what you do once you've located or found a target animal. But before you can kill an elk, you must find an elk. Or even better, have one find you. This is where the hunting part comes in, y'all. This is where you find out just what kind of hunter you really are. On today's show, it's part two of our series, Finding Elk from Day One of the Hunt. Things that you can remember and use no matter what elk you're looking for or where you're hunting. We share our experiences, what we've learned as we answer questions and give our views on finding elk during a hunt. These y'all, these are the Elk Bros keys to the game. That discussion our Elk Bros shout outs and questions from our awesome Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Hey Elk Bros, it's Brian Zakvek giving you a shout out from Pueblo, Colorado. Just got done practicing here at the local archery range. In uh, the backdrop there, you'll see the Pueblo Reservoir Dam where the Arkansas River feeds in and out of. And you might be able to see Pikes Peak back there too. So just a reminder for everybody out there, if you guys are at these free ranges, bring with you a five gallon bucket or a trash bag and pick up some of the trash around here to keep these places uh, open and free. You know, we all got to do our part. So thank you Elk Bros for everything you guys do. We really appreciate it. 
Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, from the Blue Collar Hunters following our show out there and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right. We've got the one and only the leader of the Venezuelan yeah. mafia in the house, Luis Gonzalez from yeah. KD, Texas. And that's right. From Cimarron, New Mexico, it's our elk hunting coaches there in the house. Leroy, the Ninja Chavez, and none other than Joe Gillia. He's in the house and ready to get us started. I love yeah. uh, what? I, I, I might get an elk tag this year. Bro. Uh. <laughs> Everybody blaming the elk tag on Big O. Curse, man. We got cursed. Exciting news, guys. Exciting news. Can you believe this? Uh, I'm just so uh i'm just so pumped with where things are going the direction they're going the timeline they're going the people that are following us doing this the support we're getting from all of our listeners out there man um if you have not heard y'all the elk bros have partnered with hunt wars and we are hunt wars official coaching staff and their official online elk hunting training course and if you don't know what Hunt Wars is, um, I don't know, guys, you've checked it out a little bit. What do you think about yeah. Hunt Wars? Hey, cool, man. Awesome concept for sure. Interesting yeah. stuff. Can't yeah. wait to see it. Interesting. Uh, so yeah. Hunt Wars is, and it's so funny, when I try to explain it to somebody and I call it a competition, it's amazing how that first comes to mind. But this is, it really is a celebration of the outdoor lifestyle, man, because what happens with hunt wars and that's hunt wars with a z and you're going right. to be hearing it as well from like gonzalez uh, right joe <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah now you can't remember oh my yeah. god <laughs> always got to come back to him man I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just i'm just trying to kind of make it easy for you to associate oh, so stuff vain. I bet you think this song is about you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, Joe, you know, if you paint the Sistine Chapel, do they call you a painter? No, but you mess with one goat, Joe. <laughs> and they will call you a goat molester forever. And that is straight off, not unleashed. <laughs> Hey, we're just man. We're just helping you assimilate stuff. That's all. That's that's what we're here for. So what, what was it? Yeah. Assimilate. What was the word that we used last week? It was uh, something for the teeth. Uh, am amal amalgam amalgamation amalgamation. Yeah, amalgamation. Oh well, let me let me get refocused here. Is so. <laughs> you knew Big O was going to throw a curveball, Joe. Fun <laughs> Everybody, um, if you go check this out, basically for, and, and I'm just going to lay it out this way, for $100, I could enter into Hunt Wars to be a competitor on that show. It is a, um, it is a TV show that is a competition between uh, different teams, elk hunting teams, deer hunting teams antelope hunting teams and this year duck hunting teams man wow there's a total of 12 hunts and for 100 dollars, if i enter in and i get selected then i have an all expense paid hunt 
now I could draw the elk hunt, I could draw the deer hunt, I could draw the animal hunt, or I could draw the duck hunt. I could draw one of those 12s for my $100. But if I'm selected, I then select my partner that's going to go with me. One person's the shooter, one person's the partner. Uh, in elk hunting, one's to be the shooter, one's going to be the caller. And you compete against another team in your camp uh, to see who's going to win and be the ultimate Hunt Wars champion hunter. And the way they did this, um, the season one is out right now, if you want to check it out. And here's what I love about this, man. It is us. It's blue-collar dude. It's regular guys. I mean, we had people from – the first team was from Alabama and Utah, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. the experience level, totally different. I mean, you might have somebody that gets selected has good uh, ill hunting experience. You have some people that – has minimum. I guess some people have hardly any, man, but they wanted to go on a hunt of a lifetime. But if you're selected for $100, get this, man, for $100, my license, my tag, the food, the tent, all I got to do is get there, have yeah. my own gear, and I've got to be able to use my own vehicle during the hunt. That's it. Everything Just else. One goes, heck of a deal. Yeah. Heck of a deal. That is it's like phenomenal. So, for example, when you guys put in to come into New Mexico to hunt, you have to buy a small game license and then you have to buy the habitat stamp. That's 70 bucks right there, yeah. right? And yeah. that's non refundable if you don't draw, right? Right. Um, right. I, I, I've talked to people that this year, because a lot of times it takes money off their card immediately if you apply, right? And I know some yes, people that have spent up to seven eight twelve thousand dollars man if you put in for a sheep hunt you're talking yeah. 30 grand man for something yeah. like that right yeah. and imagine that you can put in one hundred dollars and draw an elk mm. hunt in new mexico or arizona or utah and they will say where that hunt's going to be once everything's finalized sure but and here's the thing, too. If you want to enter more than once, you want to pay more than $100, go for it, man. But last year's con- – yeah. so in New Mexico – Oh, so you can you can enter multiple times, like yes, a absolutely. raffle ticket? Yeah, as you want, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Mm-hmm. And last year, well, for non-residents here in New Mexico, when you as a non-resident put in for our pool, you're putting in for 6% of the tag. So all of those non-residents are putting in for 6% of the tags. So can you imagine what your odds are at drawing one of those? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Extremely low. I guarantee you'll have better odds for the next five years than drawing a tag in New Mexico of hunting one of those hunts, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I think I just love the whole concept because – so here's how they judge that is that, um, of course, they're going on the score of the animal. Plus, and here's the thing that I love. And, man, you know, one I of think, the, I think age as well, Joe. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There you go. Age. age right. And yeah. another thing was that um, you are penalized in your score distance. for the farther distance that you take a shot. So yes. the goal is to and, and. And the penalization starts at 40 yards. 
Right. Anything under so anything 40 yards, within 40 yards, you don't you're not penalized. Exactly. And I just love this value system, man. And when I watch this, I mean, it's regular hunters on the regular grind trying to figure it out. And that's what you're going to see, man. This is not a highlight reel. This is how it is. And I guarantee you what these guys went through. Thousands of guys are going through in uh, throughout the West going through this now. Here's what I'm so exciting about is that with us being the coaching staff of Hunt Wars, we have the opportunity for eight weeks, for eight weeks, not only will these competitors, they'll, they'll get it right away. They'll get our course right away. But for eight weeks, I will be doing team training. So I will have remote training, coaching with all of the guys, um, probably all of them at the same time to ensure that nobody gets any more or any less than anybody else. So we're on equal footing, right? And we get a chance to better their skill set before they ever hit the woods. And then when they get to camp, they're going to have two trained, Elk Bros trained coaches at camp. And this is what I think is going to be such huge value for the viewers is that you've got guys out there. Now they've had training. They're going out. They're trying these different things. And then they have the opportunity to go through coaching sessions and and to have those strategy talks, to have those um, looks at what went right, what went wrong, what the possibilities were, not guiding, not guiding but empowering these guys, instructing, in coaching, letting them make their own decisions, but their decisions based on those conversations that they have. It's gonna be such an incredible learning tool, not only for the competitors, but it's gonna be a learning tool for the viewers as well. So yeah. this to me- They'll have, uh, they'll have real-time coaching when they get back to camp every Absolutely. Night. And, and what's so cool is as coaches, our coaches get the opportunity to look at film, <laughs> you know, because everything these guys are doing are going to be on film. They get a chance to look at that, get a chance to work with all the guys on their calling, on finding animals, what's happening with the conditions at the time, having those real discussions that are going to help all of those hunters out there viewing the show to learn and to be able to apply those things to their next hunt. So it's just, um, as a coach with a group of guys like we have that what we've done and the coaching that has taken place, I'm just excited to see this focus and in the spotlight and to see what Elk Bros represents, man. So no doubt. What a huge honor, Joe. Uh, it's it, it's super. It, it is beyond cool, man. And, I mean, it speaks volumes for what we're doing. So Yeah, man, the so, hunting community showing up for us. Yeah. Right. So, Joe, uh, are these uh, – so, Hunt Wars, normally, how is it air for people interested in, in watching the show? So, I know – I watch it on YouTube. <clears throat> But it's uh-huh. on Carbon TV as and well. Amazon Prime. And on Amazon Prime. Right. So, uh, and as this show 
Ian, this was so cool, man. We're, we're talking ground level. It's getting started right now. I see this is because their goal is, and, and what do you think the $100 is for? The $100 is for paying for all of those tags and yeah. everything for those people to get there. Now, the winners, here's the thing, man. The winners end up with thousands of dollars of cool gear as well as the prize. Yes. So. Yeah. It's yes, just, I've seen I've seen some of the shows where they just show up and there's like a, a tent camp set up, man, and they have, you know, tent beds on each side, and then there's just a stash of cool gear yeah. on each one of their sides. Now that's going to be a little. Here's where a little bit of change is: is that I'm not sure how they're incorporating all that gear this time. Whether it's going to uh -huh. be in prize packages because they were in the first one, they were having people use the gear. To hunt in you know that's why it had to be in the tent mm -hmm. the problem with that is is most hunters especially bow hunters we are so in tune with what we use we yeah, want to yeah. use what we use so they're making yeah. that change where they're not requiring that i know there's something going on uh and, and i don't want to speak out of turn so i'm just going to kind of keep it at that i will actually be interviewing troy um and having him on a show here in the next couple of days so um you're going to hear it from the horse's mouth, the elk's mouth. <laughs> yeah. So, you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but uh, if you don't draw, you're still in a pool to win prizes, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, every every person that enters in this, they are doing weekly drawings. I think, man, they've done uh, Leopold uh, range finders. They've had different things. That's yeah, high quality weekly, stuff. Yeah, they're doing weekly prizes that those people that are entered have an opportunity to win. So I, I can see Luis checking out the hunt wars on the computer right now, man. He's like, yeah, I mean, we're all kind of checking it out. Um, uh, you know, I, I watched, I watched, uh, Drury outdoors had a, had a deal where they did a hunt competition where guys were videoing their own hunts. It was like, um, and they had different legs. They had a rut leg. They had a, a pre-rut and then they had a post-rut leg and they would get three or four different teams and then they would grade your video and everything else your kill the whole nine yards and then you had a champion at the end of the year you know it was all whitetail and it was really cool how they did it uh from from the jury side so right. these right. guys these guys kind of started that and i always thought man it'd be really cool to have something done with elk hunting like that you know and uh tony and these guys they they've uh they kind of tapped into it so it's really cool to watch it unfold you know the the thing i have watched i'm just that type of person uh just like all of our group is there's things that we appreciate about how people represent themselves and and uh, and their respect that they show as hunters and outdoorsmen. And I've had the opportunity to see some of the responses and some of the posts from the hunt wars. And what I really, the reason this is such a fit for us is number one, it's real people. This, this isn't yeah. a highlight reel, man. This is real dudes that are out there doing this and on this program and, and, and the underlying values and respect that I've seen from the management of this program yeah is that that spoke volumes to me and that was a reason that i felt like it was a good fit for us in a partnership 
So. Well, guys, y'all know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bros shout out. Shout out. If you're new to the show, these are just a shout out to the few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. This week's top listening city comes from our grinders up north, man. Nate, and I'm not talking like Colorado. I mean, we're talking north. <laughs> Named for the vast prairies, it's located in northeast Alberta, Canada, within the area known as the Peace River Country. The city adopted the trumpeter swan as the official symbol due to its proximity of the migration route and nesting grounds and is called, of course, the Swan City. But here's the interesting part. You go from a swan, you know, to the ugly duckling. The dinosaur is the unofficial symbol of the city due to nearby paleontology discoveries. And this is in, and hey, huge shout out to our brothers and sisters up north in Canada. This is Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada. Yep. That's man, that's as that's as far north as we can go for a long ways here, Joe. That's for sure. And, and, and Gilbert, now you're getting ready to take us another direction. No doubt. Up next, heading way, way south from Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie is our next top listening city, is known as the founding city for the recognition of Veterans Day. And they host the nation's oldest and largest Veterans Day celebration. Another interesting fact is this city is the only place in the world where all the ingredients for making iron, present coal, uh, iron ore, and limestone with all within a 10-mile radius. Because of its rapid growth during the early days, it was named the Magic City in none other than Birmingham, Alabama. I would have never Alabama. Thought, I would have never thought, man. I would have thought that, you know, when it says that all the ingredients for making iron are present, coal, iron ore, and limestone within 10-mile radius, I was like Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, but. Yeah, I mean, those those old iron ore mountains and everything they've got there, man, they, they hold it all, all of the stuff there. Okay, up next, our top listening city was named after a family of singers, John, Asa, and Jesse and Judson. They are accredited for founding the town in 1855. The family became the most popular American entertainers of the 1840s and were famous for making four-part harmony popular as well as promoting causes such as anti-slavery, women's suffrage, temperance, and Lincoln's presidential campaign. And that's in Hutchinson, Minnesota. Hutchinson, Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota's in Minnesota. Always, always. So there were 11 boys and two girls in that family, man, of, of this. Uh, these guys were like the Osmonds of the 1840s. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this city is located on a former Native American campsite was first settled in 1858 by Albert French, a settler from New York. But for all our grinders out there needing some special therapy, we have the hot ticket right here. 
And uh, yeah, Joe is raising his hand for sure. <laughs> uh, need to shake those blue from not drawing your elk tag this year? Well, then head over to the Ada Christian Academy School and sign up for a baby goat cuddling session. <laughs> what? So for just talk mere... about them goats, Joe. <laughs> yeah, so for, for a mere $20 per person, you and your family get an uninterrupted 30 minute of baby goat snuggles and joy. Okay. Well, no, and none other than Lakeview, Michigan. Lakeview, Michigan. <laughs> all you, all you, brother, all you. I don't need no snuggling <laughs> session uh, for uh, snuggles and joy. With, you know, you, you just know it as a goat molester, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, here we go, man. Oh, man. I appreciate all our Michiganders out there. Uh, in Lakeview, for sure. Hey, guys, yeah. this is a thing. This is not the only place that this has happened. This is like a thing. You know, you can go online right now. and you Have you been searching the- for these kind of things, Joe? <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm just curious as to how you know all of this. I got yeah. a pet beaver down here, Joe. You can come hug on him a little while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to lose it, dude. <laughs> and right now, you can, you can look up the Ada Christian Academy School go there and they you can look at right now and they have a goat cam inside the schedule you can check out the baby goats, man. I get, I get all of this, Joe. I just, just how do you, how do you find stuff like this out? I mean, I, I, yeah. see, hey, I chapter this. I didn't this is really cool. <laughs> this stuff. Yeah, you are the one with all the knowledge about it. Hey, <laughs> just, well, yeah, yeah. When captains come over, I kind of look for little things that catch my eye, and then I go and search it. I was like, what? <laughs> you can That's you can funny. have baby goat cuddling. I dude, I had to Hilarious. check it out as soon as I saw that. I was like, you know, <laughs> I, and I, look, I think Gilbert, you know, we've had some conversations out there, and there, there's some things and some issues that you had to deal with, bro. And and I don't know, man. I you really got <laughs> where this is going. I'm good, Joe. I promise you, like I said, you know, they wouldn't paint, call me Picasso if I painted a beautiful painting. But I promise you, 30 minutes with a goat, they might call me a goat molester for the rest of my life. I'm good. I'm out. <laughs> All right, Bill. Joe, this next city is located at the foot of the Green Mountains and has the New Haven River flowing right through the town center. Recycling items here are still picked up by horse and wagon. At one time, the city was home to the now defunct Free Mountain Toys, known for producing stuffed vegetable toys known as Vegimals, and uh, which became a $6 million industry at the time, employing 140 local ladies to sew the new toys. Today, these collector items sell anywhere between $40 to $600 or more in none other than Bristol, Vermont. Bristol, Vermont. And I just, I had to look it up. <laughs> right? I was like, Vegemals? I, I've never heard. Vegemals. And I'm telling you, these ladies got together, 140 of them, and 
created a million dollar industry creating these vegetables and they're collector's items now you you can go right now on ebay and look it up and you're going to pay depending on how the quality of big money for one of these it's this is this is a part of toy history and a part of bristol vermont's history that's just really really cool awesome stuff man (laughs) all right man so let's get to the topic of tonight's show. Um, yep, you so this is part two, finding elk from day one of the hunt. And, you know, what we're going to talk about this time, last week, we had a great time. Gilbert, thanks so much for all your expertise in that. It, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, Joe, you, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head. For me, a lot of this was like, oh, my gosh, it is just like bass fishing and what we're doing, where we go to find fish. Stuff like, same thing with the elk hunting part, right? Yeah. Uh, it was like a light bulb went on in my head for a lot of it, for sure. And, and what I want people to understand is that this series is about how to find elk from day one of the hunt. This is where people get there and they're like, where do I start? What do I do? You know, how do I know where to find elk? And I want people to understand that it's not until you get boots on the ground that you will truly start locating and finding elk. You can do all of the e-scouting in the world, but it's all about getting those – you got to get the boots on the ground to confirm what you thought you found in e-scouting, right? Yeah. So 100%. And before, if you guys will just give give me a second before we get too deep in this, um, I I just want to talk about one thing and, and that's that this time of year, we got so many listeners are excited. We got people that are drawing. Lucky you, <laughs> if you draw yeah. that, right? Very <laughs> and, lucky you. But and they're excited, and I get that, and and they listen to us, and they have a lot of faith in us. So we get tons of emails and stuff from people that want to send us maps or locations and ask us where we think the elk are going to be on their hunt. Right. And look, we are here to give you this content. We are here to teach you how to find those elk, but guys, man, um, please don't do that because first of all we have a hard time saying no and frankly we just don't have that kind of time you know uh we're we're in fact still working on where we're going to go if we're going to go out of state if we're going to do something else there's a lot of research happening with us right now and we would much rather you take those doubts that you have those concerns that you have about an area and formulate those into a question and get them to us so that we can help all of our listeners learn because i'm I'm telling you what this comes from y'all is just it's it's just that lack of insecurity that that lack of confidence in your ability because then i get it man you don't want to strike out you don't want to waste time and but I, I, I need you to understand, every hunter, me, Gilbert, Chav, Luis, not Manano, he don't care. You know, Manano. No, he, no. He, he, he ain't even around no more. <laughs> every hunter deals with that same, you know, worry at some level or not. You know, uh, you guys out there, me, the best that there has been 
and that there are Wayne Carlton, Larry Jones, Dirk Dorn, Paul Medell, the Born and Raised crew, the Hush crew, Corey Jacobson. Look, I, it does not matter who you are. You're not going to be able to verify your educational guests from your E scouting until you get there and get boots on the ground. Look, the great hunters, they, these guys know this. They're ready for that. It's all about boots on the ground. Now, Yes, sir. Absolutely. Right? Now, you know, I, I, we, we had that conversation actually in our VM Hunters podcast, man. It's just like it, it, it uh, yeah, the, the e-scouting is extremely important. Right. But you don't you do nothing with the e-scouting if you don't put boots on the ground and start relating because it gives you it's like it's like when you take a picture of, of something by itself, but you can't really tell the dimensions of it until you put a coin right next to it. Now you fully understand the dimension of that object in relation to that coin. You know what I mean? So it's kind of that same thing. You get a good feel now. It's like, oh, okay, these are the dimensions we're talking about. And the e-scouting is always going to undersell it. And there's yeah, the e-scouting will give you a general idea, but until you're on the ground, you don't know what happened uh, that year. It could have been a could have been a fire. You know, for one thing, it could be a drought situation. You just don't know, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're having fires now in New Mexico. So, you know, we're, it's crazy. So you never know. So the East County does help a lot, give you an idea of where to start, but you got to get your uh, boots on yeah. the ground. Well, one of the things that happened to me, Joe, is that huh? year that, um, you know, that I, I tagged out early in the hunt and then i started kind of scouting for you guys while you guys were hunting in another side i was using the actual uh you know the base map and i was kind of tracking my way back to uh the mule and i was like well i looked at the i looked at the map i was like oh this ridge doesn't look too bad oh boy i mean i was trying to cut distance by trying to go straight right. i just happened to go through a canyon that was like it didn't look so bad in the east county but man just going back that canyon and up there it's like at some point it's like man i, I this is dangerous you know so it's it's so easy to underestimate the terrain just based on east scouting oh totally i mean and, and not only that man i mean you could say okay i'm gonna walk from this spot and I'm going to walk a hundred yards and you can, act, when you get there in that spot live and those trees are up 30 feet and you can't <laughs> see past those trees, it changes once you get everything down. I mean, you guys seem as you start to get up in an airplane, just how everything flattens out. Right. Oh, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and then when you get on the ground and you land, it's like, wow, this is a cool place. You know, it just looks totally different from the ground. Absolutely. And, and look, you guys look, might we have a better educated guess at this point in the game if you were to ask ask us about an area? Probably yes, because of our experience. But the whole thing is, again, we are not guiding you. We are not telling you. We are coaching you. And our goal is for you to learn. It's the whole fish, give a man a fish, or teach a man yeah. how to fish thing, right? Sure. So how are you going to gain that experience you're going to gain it by listening to this right now to the wise by learning and then doing by yourself and then taking a chance like we all are doing when we're hunting and going out there and verifying your leads 
and then eliminating what's not working and find what is. Because if you have done your job, e-scouting, you have your plan. Now you verify your plan. You should, because of e-scouting, have a great idea where the road system is. You should have a great idea of where certain parking things are. You should know somewhat about water sources and about north sides and flats areas. But those things, like he says, when you get to those things, paint, right? So um, you want to get there and figure out, like Gilbert said in that lake, figure out where the elk aren't, you know? and then look and figure where they are. So look, that's all we're just telling them and telling you is that this is all part of the process and don't feel bad. Nobody has, I mean, if you walked, watched any of the shows that kind of um, catalog their hunts this year, uh, then you would have seen how people struggled, man, for weeks. Mm-hmm. And these are guys that are that are killers, man. These are slayers. These are people that really know elk, and they struggle. So it's not that, you know, it's isolated or we have any magic things about that. And the, the one thing that I hate, too, is, is if somebody asks me where I think animals are, and they go there, and they, I don't want to be responsible for your hunt as well, man. So, you know, just something to think about as far as that goes. Um, Another question that I got from people about this is, does it help to have knowledge of where others have seen elk in an area? And I just want to, heck yeah, it does. Because elk are in that area for a reason. You guys think about it, Mm -hmm. about the places that we've hunted throughout the years. Well, you know, going back to last week, you know, Gilbert mentioned the phrase hunt history. You know, where we've been successful, uh, we know animals have been there in the past, and there's a good chance they're going to be there again. So, you know, the history makes a big difference. Absolutely. And and generally, with all the possible variables removed, those are going to be in the same areas year after year after year. Now, what are the possible variables? Weather, moisture levels, food sources, predators, including us hunters fire time of the time of the year yeah you know uh there are variables out there that can change things that can but but i look i can tell you this from my knowledge as well where animals generally move from they're not very far from they're going to find the next best place to be able to be and then when those other things that lighten up or disappear from where they like to be they're going back yeah I mean, I I know of one hunt um, with a good friend of ours, Larry Gill, that we had, Chav, that we hunted one area, and we were in there for like five days, and uh, we actually ended up bailing on day three and going to another area, and just because it was the last day, last evening of the hunt, we said we were going to hit the area that evening before we got out of there, and that area that had been empty for three days, not an elk one filled up and and just went berserk so yeah man it can happen like you said a million times one ridge you know one more ridge past one you know one more uh 15 minute walk i mean it just can happen you just got to keep moving around and trying to find where the sign is i mean look last year was amazing had no clue had that many elk around us till the snow fell 
right? <laughs> and then it was like, holy smokes, man. The biggest herds you guys had ever seen. Yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, and, and even when Brandon and I lit out that morning on foot, I was like, good night, nurse. Look at all these tracks. I mean, the daggum snow just fell yesterday. You know, I mean, this is not like, uh, this is fresh. You know, I was like, oh my Lord, have mercy. So I was like, uh, I had, you know, you, you think you were around elk, but you really have no clue until you see sign like that. Yeah, and, and, and that's another thing, Beto, because we really hadn't seen sign until that moment that yeah. all of a sudden the sign was there and it was super fresh. And so Manano and I were walking by ourselves and, and, and we saw the sign and we're like, oh, my God, man, look at this. This is crazy. It's like a whole herd went through here. And then we bumped into you guys further down the road. And we're like, guys, we just saw the sign. And you realize, yep, we saw the elk that left them behind. <laughs> they left like, the sign. Was like, yeah. so it, and it just happened from that sign wasn't there the day before. No, it wasn't. And, and the, what I'm really talking about is us leaving out of camp and walking up to the top part of that ridge where Joe killed his bull. On the way up there, when Brendan and I was walking up through there, it was like, oh, my man, I can't believe how many elk have actually came through here. We just that was the first day we cut track and first time I'd ever done anything. And then we ran those bulls down. Uh, we actually were able to follow them by their track and run them down, you know? And now look, they, they're smart, man. They were down in a big Tronos and we're coming down off of this ridge top and they're down there looking at, at us like a calf, looking at a new gate, you know, as we're making our way down, crunching on that snow. Uh, uh, almost, they almost let us slip in there on them, man. Um, I think we were 88 yards from, from the bull standing broadside. He had a bunch of trash in front of him. But, oh, I mean, I, we got within I thought you were another elk coming down. Yeah. And, and what I want to do with that, though, is is, is I, I want to put that in perspective, and I want to get some learning things out of that because, yeah. you know, when you think about it, when you cut that track, it's because there was snow on the ground. And yeah, would have never saw it otherwise, Joe. Would have never seen it, man. And and that was a huge herd that came through there. And a lot of people would have gone by. And because of the way the tracks and how small the road was, you might not have ever seen it. Because yeah, the be. other thing that they did was from the high point that they came down, they rode the top of a ridge, ridge. or just on the side of the ridge as they were coming down. So there there was a little bit of a slope where that finger ridge came down to the road yep. so as all those tracks are on one side of that ridge coming down it hides them and they mm -hmm. cross the road and next thing you know they're into a little bit of a drainage on the other side which yep. hides them so if mm -hmm. you think about how those elk traveled there's a key point right there how yep. they came down that finger ridge down right on a little bit on the on the downside slope of it man that's and right and just followed it all the way down, which is a common habit. So yeah, and I mean, they, they traveled the tops and backsides of that ridge over those fingers. You know, they came down off the top and then turned and went straight down the little, you know, I used my knuckles as and, and then part they of that. Rode, they, and if you point at it, then they rode down, like you look at that, they did, yeah. and then they went down that pinky because the exactly. road down here, they went yes. down right on the side of that, yeah. dropped across, and, and went like that. So 
they yeah. used the short on the top. They went down on the on the inside of that, just popped just a little lower than the ridge to go down. Those are their travel routes. Now, another place that they like to do is a lot of times, depending on how much it's steep how and thick. tough, they'll yeah. come right up the middle of that. As middle, well. if it's too oh, thick, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They get right on there. So your, your areas to find those trails are going to be on the top of those finger ridges or right on the side of them, like kind of that, right. that upper you know, uh, two third mark up in there. Yeah. Um, or you're going to find them in the bottom coming right up because it's easy walking. If it's easy walking, they're going to utilize yeah. that. And you're going to see it across the top of those knuckles. Yeah. So uh, right now we're already talking about how to locate. See, that's mm-hmm. the thing is that when we talk about this, there is a difference between locating and finding elk. Okay. Locating elk is is finding sign or sound if they you know you can locate an animal from their sound right yeah we're not going to we're not going to pay a lot of attention to the sound part now when we start giving our steps for or and i give myself for what i do to to locate and find elk like step by step we're going to talk a little bit more about that because number one if they're sounding off location's not a problem no doubt right but what if they're quiet but if they're quiet man and here's the thing listen everybody if you can kill a quiet elk you can kill any elk any elk exactly so that's what we want to do is make sure that you understand look there's a there's a difference between okay hunters good hunters and great hunters and Mm -hmm. the difference is is that those great hunters because this is what we're talking about now You know, it's like you said in the intro, Gilbert, that most of our stuff that we talk about is really about the killing part. In other words, how to respond once one's located, how to create the encounter, how to create the opportunity. And once we've located a target animal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Once it's already located. Right. So. um, But this part. When animals are quiet, when you're struggling, this is where the hunting part comes in. This mm-hmm. is what it's about. And this is where you find out who the okay hunters and the great hunters are. Because it's, at that point, it's about how well you understand the animal's needs, how and where these animals. And, and look, I'm giving you the keys. These are the keys to the game right here. These are the keys to the game. How well you understand the animal's needs. Like what we talked about with the bass fishing last week, Gilbert. You understood Mm -hmm. the needs, right? Springtime, Mm -hmm. fall, cold water, everything. Different, right? Okay. Now, one corresponding thing that you said, and that was, no matter what, they had to eat. Always. Right? Regardless of the time of the year. Slaves to their bellies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of us, man. Like in the wintertime, you take a look at human beings in the wintertime. When it's cold, nasty outside, we spend more of our time where? Inside the kitchen. (laughs) Have some good vittles. In the pantry. Yeah, man. Eating them cookies. Eating When when it warms up, we're out more doing stuff, right? So we're a lot like that. So it's, it's understand the animal's needs, how and where they will meet those needs, how they think what habits they have and this is huge as a coach there's one thing i learned from chav and any coach out there 
what are the habits that they have that you can exploit a basketball player does he have does he only have a right hand can he go to the left does he always pivot back to the to the backside when he gets in trouble so you can pick his pocket does he always have to fade to the right you know um is his favorite to go baseline if you stop on the baseline is he going to pull his dribble these are habits that you can exploit as a coach that's what we try to do man um, you, they understand what signs they leave behind and the best places to find those signs and how to read those signs, man. And I think the best, and this is, I think this is one of my better skill sets. And I don't know if it's because of my nose, I don't know if it's because of years. And I don't know if it's because of the way I learned to elk hunt, but the way I first started elk hunting had nothing to do with calling elk. It had, mm. it had everything to do with, finding them using all of those Mm -hmm. other things right smelling them Mm -hmm. out you know using that scent but i think that those people that incorporate all their senses and i mean all their senses and when i say that i include the sixth sense do you guys know what i mean by the sixth sense yeah that gut feeling you get yeah it's the it's the double sense you get by the sense of of your nose no. <laughs> <laughs> because it's six inches long is that what you're saying yeah well, no i'm just saying you know that nose probably smells like you know a hog you know it's just like <laughs> the nose knows the nose <laughs> the nose yeah, knows this is a sign of royalty bro it's a sign of royalty <sighs> don't ever forget no it. man and, and and joking aside i i get what you're saying because in a way i have I, I, I can feel some of that when I'm hog hunting, you know, I, I've been doing it for so long and so often now that I, I mean, several locations I've been with either Rafa or Manano or somebody else. And I, you know, and Benjamin, my friend, and I just tell them, it's like, dude, we're about, we're about to jump into these guys. We're about to get to where they are. I mean, I could, I could feel when they're closed somehow, you know, and, and several times, I mean, I say that and seconds later, sure enough they're right there i mean it's just i and i'm I'm, i wonder if that's kind of what you mean by that sixth sense but but i but i think that there's i think there's a couple of parts to this i think one thing that that sixth sense and that gut feeling comes from all the other senses getting together and just kind of making that revelation more evident yeah and, (laughs) and, and, and there's a memory system there man it's like yeah. You've felt this before. You've seen this before. You've heard this before. Yes. You've felt yeah, this a little before. Deja vu. And, mm-hmm. and yes. so all of that, all those senses get there so that you get that gut feeling. But I yes, can sir. tell you what, there's another, I truly, totally believe in another sixth sense. And I'm going to ask you if it's ever happened because me and Chavo have talked about this. I have had it happen to me incredible amount of times where I'm walking and I'm looking this way as I'm going. And something has told me to turn my head and look. Without me hearing the voice, I would turn and look to having an animal staring at me, a bull elk. Uh, uh, just a that sense of uh, that sense of somebody eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and animals have that sense way more sure. developed than we do. For sure, I totally believe they, do. they have it. It's crazy. I've, I mean, and Beto, I bet you've seen that with a deer so many oh, times. Oh my gosh. They, they they just they look a hole right through you they know you're there they just can't figure out what you are you know but a whitetail will stare a hole through stomp on you, the ground and stomp just, and yeah. you know then sometimes they'll even blow 
yeah, you know, yeah. and, and they're trying to get you to move because they know, man, something's up. They know something's my, my up. chair has moved. Somebody <laughs> moved my chair and yeah. put it over here, and my lamp is turned upside down. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, that, that, what we're doing is we're in their homes, you know. Yeah. So when we move something out of place or that something was not there before, they stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, man, when you walk in your house and somebody's turned your coffee table upside down, you know exactly what's going on. Well, let me right? ask you people that, that have dogs and horses, though, man. Those people yeah. have dogs and horses. You, you've seen it, how a nervous person around your dog makes your dog nervous or a person Ooh, that is scared of a horse fear. gets on a horse, yeah. that horse knows it immediately, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. they, they have that sense of... God-given gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but here's That's the, a protection thing for them. But at the same time, it can be an uneducated voice that can lead you down the wrong way. And what I mean by that is, is sometimes when... You, you don't have patience, especially for those new earlier hunters. And, and let's say you're in a setup and you've been calling in that setup for 10, 15 minutes. I was just mm-hmm. talking to Jim Huntsman the other day. And Jim Huntsman, Jim, Jim always says he's like the, the, the best, worst elk hunter out there, man. You know, and, you know, he's great at calling, but he just doesn't have it close out. Uh, that he does all these setups and they never come to fruition. And, and I, I told Jim, I bet you he does not know how many times he's gotten up um too soon to leave a setup and that bull because it was coming in silent was only 80 yards away or saw him get up and walk away or saw him move and turned and went the other way because he had that voice that is not educated enough or doesn't believe enough in what he's doing to give it the right amount of time to do that so sometimes be misleading so I, I we've we've brought this example before, Joe, but I think it's you know it, it's a perfect example to bring it up again. It's with the bull, uh, not this last year, but the year before the one you call in for me. Right. I would have I would have rigged my stuff up and said we're done. It's they're not they're not gonna you know come back. They're out on the other ridge and that's it. You know, game over. Right. Yeah. I, and I thought about oh, my doing that several times. Yeah. And you stuck there and you kept on calling and calling for 45 minutes. And then the scenario took on a 180 degree turn and completely unexpected happened. And, you know, right there, there was an opportunity at close range at a great bull. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, I agree with you 100 percent. And it just takes time and patience because i i would have packed my stuff twice during that period of time that same year it was my sixth sense that told me joe give it one more bugle you know joe's ready to go he's like man this dude ain't coming we're out right everybody get their stuff together and we're rolling i said man i said i hear him down there can you just bugle one more time and he didn't bugle he used that lost cow call and that was it dude but it was that sixth sense that, man, I felt like the bull was closing the gap. And I didn't know what he was doing. Well, it come to find out he was down there in that walla filling his body up with mud the whole time, right? Yeah. Because when he come walking up that hill, he was dripping with mud. I mean, it and was crazy how black point, he Gilbert, was. That's yeah. a good point that sometimes people don't realize that we are always trying to force things in our time. Right. And, 
elk move and elk's time. They don't. Sure. They don't have a TV show they got to get home to watch. They don't have to get home <laughs> yeah. there by a certain time. You know, yeah. they're they, not on the phone like Manano. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't got a wife and a baby to worry about. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they got many wives, and yeah. lots of babies. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to eat a little bit here or there, un- unless something really is driving them to get to a certain. And now they can cover ground, man. They can cover Ooh. right. Tremendous oh. amount of ground in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and, and going Jack, back to the uh, go going back to the the silent bull coming in. Uh, do you remember when he killed that that freak bull that had the yes the spike on one side and all that, or the the baseball bat on one side? Um, you know, you called in a, a a small bull, and I took a shot and it hit a hit a tree dead on. You know, right in the middle in the kill zone, hit the tree, not the, not the elk. And uh, he ran up the hill, and, and, you know, we were kind of giggling and laughing. But you kept calling, trying to get that bull back to us. And, you know, we kept our, our, our attention focused on that bull. And then we turn around, and there's a big, giant six-by-six six walking up on us. But we, were, we weren't prepared. You know, I wasn't prepared. You already killed yours. I wasn't prepared for a shot. But I he came in the whole at it. <laughs> finally came up. Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it, yeah, we could have. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say you could have, like you said, you could have thrown a pine cone and hit it. It was so close to us, but you it, know, we was, were focused a different way. It was so it was crazy. Um, crazy. It was comical. I mean, yeah. It was, yeah. It was <laughs> Uh, well, you remember that big bull that snuck in on us, Joe, after we got done with that set with all them other young bulls and then the big bull that I had come in on the left? And right. we were like, well, this is done. And Joe turns and looks, and there is a toad of a bull walking in on us. And he sees us move, and we see him move, and boom, he takes out. But again, you know, we were, I don't know that we, I'd say we were impatient. We thought it was all over with, you know. Right. And then here, here comes this late bull to the party, but he had not said a word. And this was a, this was a big old bull, man. It was not some little bitty youngster that was coming in unannounced. This was the man walking yeah. in. I mean, crazy. Joe, I got, I got a question for you, man. And it, it's going to be a tough question. And it's so tough that I don't even know how to properly formulate it. Okay. But, but here's the thing. Do it in Spanish. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I could, but uh, I wouldn't get us very far here. Uh, so, no, but here's the thing. Okay, so so we're talking about all the things that you just said. Okay, so animal needs, um, you know, how and where they meet them, uh, how they think, uh, understanding their habits, and how can you exploit that, the signs right. uh, that they leave behind, um, how to read them, and, and then all the senses and combining all of that. Obviously, you got that sixth sense that it's just kind of a conglomerate of all of those things that you leads you along with there. experience. Yes. Yes. Along with the experience. But, but, but you have a very important point. And I, you know, when you're saying, yeah, you got that gut feeling kind of leads you, but be careful because if it's not, you're, it, that's not trained, it can mislead you and then, you know, get you away from an opportunity. As a relatively new hunter, uh-huh. what if all those things kind of check and you have that good gut feeling? Are there any ways that you can think of that you can identify or flag as like, hey, man, this might be one of those 
voices that are trying to mislead me. And this is, these are some flags that you can use to kind of prevent yourself from actually going yeah. the wrong direction there. And, and actually, that's a that's a super question, Luis, and and it, it makes a lot of sense the way you put it. And what I would sell for what I would say for new hunters is instead of you, you've got to you've got to get that mm, you've got to get those measuring sticks for that gut to learn from. So what you have to do is you have to have standards. In other words, if I'm going to do a setup. And I'm going to do a calling setup where I've had, uh, I've smelled elk and I think they're in the area and I'm going to commit to a setup. Then I'm going, I'm committing 40 minutes, period. Okay. Right. And no matter what's going to happen now, if I think I need to be down the road at a Mm -hmm. meadow here in 20 Mm -hmm. minutes, then I'm not doing this because otherwise I'm not going to stay true to it. I'm going to go down to the park, right? I like that one. If I'm going to do the setup, I'm going to commit 40 minutes to it. And I'm going to not only commit it in time, but I'm going to commit it in effort. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to be, you yes. got to be in it. You got to play the part. You, and, and, and I'm telling you, gotta you paint that picture properly. Absolutely. And when you paint a picture and you truly get into it and you start acting the parts of elk behavior, you, you take your so time. Much, yeah. yeah. It becomes so much fun, man, that you actually lose track of time a little bit. The, the hard thing though is sometimes is that, you know, uh, you you've got to be able to do it. You've got there's things you got to do right. Like you, if you're going to have your bow set down, it's got to have an arrow on it ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. You can't be like get bored and start reaching for something here. You have to commit to it. And then and here's another here's another question, Joe. Real quick, I'm sorry right. to interrupt. You, okay, so you're committed those 40 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, but say in minute 39, mm-hmm. now you're starting to hear some action. Obviously. You're now, if you if you feel things are starting to progress at that point, right. Right. then you've got to stay. It's not like, oh, my 40 minutes is up. I don't see the elk. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Well, you know? I'm, I'm committing 40 minutes to a response. A response. To, right? to a response and, and, so, and it, for something to start evolving. Something that I yes. can get a read off of, right? Right. So right. If, if I, I can go to phase two. Yeah, so if I have a visual on an animal, what they're doing, that's going to be a read right there. If I get an audio on an animal, that's going to give me a read. What did that animal just respond to? Am I doing a uh, where I'm I'm having a, a bull that's working on a on a cow that's in heat? Am I doing that type of mating scenario of that breeding of that rutting type scenario? If I'm doing that and I get a response, I got to read what that bull is responding. What kind of call did I get from that bull? Was it a real lazy? hey i'm over here uh that that bull's not going to be coming in so i got to think about that or did i get one where that guy kind of threw a little bit of short lip ball over there saying hey sweetheart i'm over here too and i'm a good sized bull right there or you know Mm -hmm. how i'm going to react to those types of things right so um it's anything else anything else joe besides okay say okay i'm committing 40 minutes here but anything else that you know another flag that may help you not be led stray like in the wrong direction um what i what i see a lot of times is that and we're guilty of it too is that we get in our mind that an area we're going through that one area is more important than another area and so sometimes we will rush through and go by elk trying to get 
<laughs> where we think elk are going to be because mm-hmm. it's going to either be prime time or something like that right mm-hmm. and i think a lot of time that's a mistake because i think there's a lot of elk that are traveling to that prime time as well and so the uneducated voice at that point is actually something that we also consider an advantage sometimes is hunt memory yeah 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 absolutely and chad we we've been guilty of that man we've like all of a sudden started hoofing it to an area because we think something's going to be there and only to blow something out that was going to the same area yeah, yeah. jump a lot of animals on the way to the area oh, yeah. we want to hunt. and and so now that contributes to that gut feeling as soon as you start to take off to go whoa 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 slow down relax you know uh if there is something over there then by the time we get there if it's too dark and we can get a response man all we got to do is put it to bed we have it there in the morning let's not blow a situation let's not blow situations before we get there now if it's something where i've committed to i want to be in that destination area already and try to pull them to me then i'm going to do the same thing i'm going to commit time to doing that and if i get a response like i am the worst guy in the world to put in a tree stand or in a blind because as soon as there's a response still yeah i'm I'm like yeah yeah well and and here's another thing joe and i think it this is where like the mental toughness and the attitude uh plays such a big part because you're talking about this and i'm you know picturing myself too in situations where like look man say you've been at it for a couple of days you have heard elk you have not seen him and then you've been walking a lot and so you know early afternoon you're just kind of walking through and your mind is telling you hey you know we haven't seen any elks there's no reason why there will be elk around here and then just like you said you're not you're not taking the time you're not walking cautiously you're being sloppy and you're probably not following you're not as attentive and as cautious as you were the first day and then just out of nowhere you spook an animal you blow up a situation that could have been a great opportunity for one opportunity maybe yeah but but because you weren't in the right mindset because you were just kind of thinking that things weren't going to happen now you just blew it and it's actually going to make it even worse for your attitude point forward so Mm -hmm. it is so hard to do but it's so important to maintain that level of focus that you have the first day so when you get to a hunt think of that very first day that you're out there and think how you're feeling and you what your expectations are and what your attitude is like and you know how you're walking and how you're looking everywhere and try to main, maintain that level throughout because and, and one of those it's so easy for that, to do that one of those checks for that for a new person is is to always remember it only takes one minute it only takes 20 yards for everything to change change oh, everything no I mean, you can go from, you can go, what's, what's that expression that you use, Gilbert, from something to hero or something like that? Yeah, zero hero to hero. zero. Yeah, hero to zero. Go from hero, hero to zero. And like, like that. And, and, and unless you've had that happen to you a few times, you don't really believe it. People get bored in the situation. But, man, you're talking about encounters with them. So, I, I know I didn't finish that because my mind jumps places, man. And it's like this. When somebody gets lost in the woods, when somebody gets lost and we send in a rescue crew to find that 
one person. What is the one thing that you hope that person does? They stay put. Yeah. You hope they stay put. They put, man. They're easier to find because it's like when you're going looking for your kid. Have you ever tried to find your wife in daggum Walmart, man, when they're like moving? Yeah, Yeah, it's because they may be back in areas that you've already covered. Already covered, right. So, you know, it's it's, you have to understand that (laughs) I've had this happen as well. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And this is what gets you is we've been through areas that we were like, there's no elk, only to bump into somebody or somebody say the same thing to us that there was no elk oh, and, and bump into us. And we actually killed a bull there or they killed right. a bull there. And you're like, what? I checked that whole thing, man. There was nothing there, but it was all about timing, man. Yeah, it they could be like, right behind you, man. Yeah, that's all it is. I could be moving through an area and an elk could be another 200 yards behind me, you know, moving mm-hmm. through the area I've come through and then the elk comes through after, man. So mm-hmm. a lot of times it's it's just about that timing and it's about that hit or miss. That's why, here's here's this is a great segue right here, because we talk about locating elk. Now, locating elk, we're going to leave out the calling part right now. So locating is discovering an area where the elk are, right? Okay. Once we discover where the elk are, then we have to find the elk. 
right? And and that's what we're talking about. If you're that person that's walking through and you're trying to find elk and they're moving, you know, they could be going through an area after you do and it makes it difficult to find them. That's why I prefer to have elk find me. And that's mm-hmm. why we use the tactics that we do to eliminate that that losing each other because we have these missed things going on. We do things mm-hmm. to have elk come to us. Right. right. It doesn't always work, but it, it works a lot. And we're going to be again, that's coming here in in part three. So we're going to. Talk and, and, and you for that to work, you got to be around them. Yes. Yes. You, know, you got to be where elk are. You got to be yeah. in a location where elk are in order to find them. So mm-hmm. in locating. Right. Mm hmm. Before we talk about calling, what I want to do now is I want to give all you guys listening out there, you're in elk camp with us, man. We're pumped. We're excited, man. We're, we're, we're going to help develop your skill set to find elk that aren't talking. All right. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an example and see if, if any of this you're going, ah, oh, and let's see if you get any nuggets out of this at all. All right. Let's say the average person is standing in a park, in a burn, in an open ridge, a break in a canopy, a meadow or clearing, okay? You get the point. You're kind of in one of those little open areas that would attract elk for like feed, right? So what I'm asking you, and we're gonna just, we're gonna have that moment of silence here just for a second, because I want you to think about it. When you're standing in the middle of that meadow, of that clearing, of that open ridge, what are you looking for? And I want you to think about what you're looking for, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for. Alrighty. Alrighty. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Is there? Okay. Here's the things. I'm going to go through the list, and then we're going to we're we're going to rock on this, right? I'm standing in there. The first thing I'm doing is as I'm in this clearing, I'm, I'm looking, is there a main trail evident going through that, like through the middle of it? If I see a main trail going through that's worn, that, that tells me right away that that's not an area that, that elk like to stop at. That's an area that they like to move travel. through. Travel right. through. It, it's, a, it's a part of a travel route. Okay. Is it a highway or is it a stop? I'm, I'm getting that. Are there tracks? Are there droppings? Is there urine? Smell. If yeah. there are any of those, how fresh are they? Are they yeah. dug up? Does it look like something got spooked by you because they're a little bit wider and you can see dirt kicked up? Because when you're seeing a track with dirt sprayed in front of it, something yeah, they're running. Right? And they're running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like that, man. You can yeah. tell elk that are milling because yeah. the tracks don't put a lot of indentation down. You know, depending on the mm-hmm. kind of ground that they are, um, the droppings, what are the droppings like when you go and you smear? Is it is it wet like, you know, like that paint, like that? Acrylic? Which the droppings also may change the uh, depending on how dry or how how rainy the, the, the season may have been as well. So yeah, I mean, you can pay happened. attention to those droppings. You can tell when they're eating, oh, you know, uh, acorns and stuff like that. It'll be or different than, grass, when just, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. than when they're just grazing on grass. Now, number one, their their number one staple is grass, man. That's the number one staple for them. So, and, and I'll tell you this, guys, is I don't care if it's a dry season or a wet season. When that, when those droppings come out and they're fresh, what color are they, Chav? When they're fresh? Yeah. Um, 
green. Yeah. yeah. They're green. Yeah. Look at that light green color. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. But they're it's like butter. But you can squish them, yeah, they're like exactly they're like butter. And sometimes they're like platelets, you know, yeah. depending what they're eating. Instead yeah. of round pellets, they're like little platelets. Yep. If you look at the at the first video of our hunt this last year in YouTube, uh, on, at the beginning of the video, you and Beto are hunting together, and you find a dropping, and you actually squish one of yeah. them, and it was green as you yeah. squished it. So yeah. if somebody wants to know, there's a good place to see. If it's dry and they come out, they're still going to be real green, and after a little bit of time when the air hits them, they're going to start turning a little brown, mm -hmm. and then they kind of yeah. oxidize as they go on. So I'm looking for those things. I'm looking, is the grass chewed? You can see... Yeah where grass is down, mm -hmm. right? Grazed. Where they grazed yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a water source in or nearby? Are there tracks at the water source? Mud, um, any place that's a little bit wet where it might puddle up on a, uh, uh, a two-track going through an area. I love two-tracks, man, because I will run two-tracks all day long to find a crossing. When I find tracks crossing, then I'm going to get on the track and I'm going to find where those tracks are going, man. Uh, I, I totally believe in following elk trails and following elk tracks because guess who made those trails and those tracks? Uh, elk did. Elk did, right? So yeah. by finding those, I'm finding out, number one, their travel route, their corridors, where they're going from A to B, and that gives me information. And I'm putting it on my – the whole time I'm doing this, man, I got my base map, man, and I'm mm -hmm. marking all this stuff, mm -hmm. and I'm having it track me. I'm doing all these things. Anytime I'm on an elk trail, I'm tracking that. And then I can look at all those and I can see how they're headed. Because when you start to see a lot of parallel tracks going up, you know the exact area they're going up to bed. They might not be bedding in the same location every time, but they like the area. And it's going to yeah. be either 200 yards or 400 yards, or if they get boogered, it might be the next ridge. Okay. Now, Joe, you, you talk about is there a water source in or nearby? Right. Define in or nearby because some of these elk travel five, six miles to go to a water hole. Right. right? You know, when, when I'm in an area where I have open parks that are feed areas, I'm really hoping to find something within a mile of that feed area because mm -hmm. now I know I have two key focus oh, yeah. in that area that's going to help me right mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. if i have those two things within that half mile of each other i know that elk have that's an easier area for them to feed drink and then go to bed right uh yep. so they don't again now they're saving energy and any kind if elk can save energy they're gonna save they're energy. gonna do it yeah yeah, oh, yeah. okay um, so I'm looking for a lot of times in different places, um, you know, Arizona, they put a lot of metal tanks and, and New Mexico, yeah, there's a lot of dirt tanks out there. You, if you <laughs> find a, a spring that's coming out or seeping out there that, uh, especially if you find the head of a small Creek and you go up, there could be springs even farther, farther up on that. Yeah. Um, anytime that a Creek hits a flat area, that's an area that attracts me because as soon as water hits flat area, it spreads the water. And spreading the water creates better grass, creates better nutrients, and it has sunlight. So that's something. Yeah, and wallow. And oh, wallow yeah. too. Absolutely, man. And usually yeah. a wallow is something that an elk creates in one of them tiny little creeks. Yeah. They're, they're going to create that in the seat. All right. So, um, what do you smell? I'm standing in, I'm going, what do I smell? 
are there lingering remnants of, of elk? What's causing that? Is it that urine? Uh, is there fresh urine that's in there? Are there multiple things? Of, what's better than finding one um, wet spot of urine is finding 20? Because what is that? Oh, yeah. Herd? Well, yeah. You found yeah. a herd. Yeah, absolutely. Finding um, what? I didn't hear that, Joe. 20 spots of urine instead of one spot of urine. Oh, oh plenty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought and, and, here's 20, and, and I'll give you one. I think I talked about this a little later, but my mind's on it already. That's like if I find a bedding area and I find mm. a bed and I find urine on the side of the bed or urine in the middle of the bed. You can actually tell if that's a bull or a cow because generally when they stand up, they urinate. And right. a bull's urinary system yeah. is more towards right the, middle the middle of the body and the yeah. cow's on the other end. So it yeah. kind of gives you an idea what you're dealing with there too. Yeah. And if I find beds and I'm and I'm smelling urine, is it an overall urine, uh, that overall elk smell I smell as I'm coming in, or is it just because of small urine spots? Because that kind of tells me if there's been a big group that's been using that pretty regularly. Okay. Yeah. And and now that scent from an elk can stay in a bedding area for three days, four days. Oh yeah. So that's something that's important to know. Um, are there any blown up trees? Are those blown up trees fresh or old? And don't mistake rubs that are up on the side of a hill um, with blown up trees down in feed areas because. Those ones up on the hill, a lot of times, are those early season rubs. A lot of times, especially if there's a lot of them in dark areas or around bedding mm -hmm. areas, those are those early season rubs versus these animals blowing things up down in these feed areas or these little parks or where they're out at night. That uh, that shows you something right there. Um, antler scrapes in the dirt. Yeah. Man, I'm so proud of you, Joe. You said antler, man. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, man. I got yeah, they're, they're, over, they're overlooked, but I've I'm seen going. a lot more now that I look for them. Yeah. And a lot of people don't recognize that. It's kind of like, I, you wouldn't believe how many people I talked to said that they were walking through the woods and they heard these birds chirping all over the place. And they were actually hearing cow elk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they, yeah, yeah they, and I, I saw a spot one time when we were walking, me and Brandon were walking through the woods, looked like turkey scrapes, you know, how they'll scrape with their with their feet and hand scratching and stuff like that. Yeah. No, that wasn't what that was. It was elk scraping the, the dirt with their horns, Absolutely. you know, antlers. with their antlers. <laughs> I'll tell you something. Another thing people don't recognize is they're, they're not aware of the fact, especially in dry seasons, when bulls have trouble finding wallows they will create piss wallows yeah and i don't know how many people out there have ever heard this before but that i mean they will urinate in one location urinate and they'll roll in it and roll in it in there and and get that mm -hmm. scent on them and create that yeah. mud like that too. sounds like something fun to do at l camp i don't think so man. i'll let you I, I, you know let me have the camera i'll hold your beer so, Chav, I don't think the boys have ever seen me before. So, tell them what I do when I find a piss wallow. Yeah, he you roll on it. Roll on it. Mm. <laughs> you know. Mm. I ain't sleeping in that tent. <laughs> mm. You sure uh, have. So, I'm standing. Yeah, but he didn't roll in it. <laughs> I'm standing in the middle of this park and I'm looking. And if it's early morning and there's dew on the grass, are there dew trails going through the grass? Yeah. 
you can have yeah. to see it in the sunlight where the animals. Yeah, you, sometimes you see the grass kind of like in a certain they direction do. that yeah. is not natural to it. Yeah. Is there a fence line near the area? If there is, is there hair on the fence? Is there a trail? Because a lot of times those elk, they won't jump a fence right away. They're looking for a place to get across, so they'll walk along the side of it, and and you'll find that trail with track and it's what I call a fence trail on that, then you can mm. find areas where the fence is, is broke down and that becomes mm-hmm. a major crossing area right there. And yeah. fences don't mean private property all the time. And in New Mexico, we have all kinds right. of cattle fences and stuff yeah, like that. Within, within, the, yeah, within the unit. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I remember actually- and elk will jump a fence, Joe. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, the, like it isn't there. Yep. Yeah. But, but I tell yeah, you, I walk right over it, man. I've, yeah. I've watched it many times. I know. have watched a herd of 300 elk, knowing that there's a gate open, wait as each one went through that gate instead of jumping the fence. Wow. I watched wow. the entire herd do that. And to your point, if they can save energy, they will. If they can save energy, they'll do it. And so now I'm still standing in the middle of this area. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn and I'm going to be looking above that area and I'm going to be looking. Are there any dips? Are there any funnels? Is there a saddle in the terrain up there? Because if I see a saddle up there, then I want to go to the side of that clearing and I want to start going to that saddle and I'm looking for a trail coming out of that saddle coming down to that area, right? Mm -hmm. So once I locate that trail and it is going through that saddle, then that means I've got something. Now I can go up and I can find out, well, what's happening on the other side of that saddle? Is there... Uh, an area on this side that's a feed area is it on the north side or is it really thick and shaded where it's going to be a bedding area are you guys catching how these are the processes in one clearing that i'm looking at this stuff all of this information that i'm getting i in fact if i don't see those dips or funnels or saddles and there's going to be some there coming out of that park there's going to be a funnel of some kind i'm guaranteeing you man that there's going to be one in some area you're going to look you can either see something coming down between two areas you can either see mm-hmm. something that's saddling up between each areas or you can find a natural funnel in other ways just from the way the ground does stuff okay oh it could be a road it could be a two track going out elk use two tracks all the time man because yeah. it's so easy they use them yeah, all the path time. of least, least resistance no yep. doubt um, is there a trail coming into the area that's near above that that feature I talked about? If there's not, I'm going to go five or 10 yards into the edge of the area and I'm going to start circling because I'm going to locate trails, their favorite ways to come into that area there. Okay. That's going to be their favorite way. And now again, I have a trail to go. Um, I'm going to go up on any finger ridge leading into the area are there trails there what direction do these trails go and why are the trails deep and shallow or they like to shoot Mm -hmm. you know what i mean uh yeah and then and then how fresh i mean and i was going to mention the direction because i was like well this might sound kind of obvious but you you really want to know in which direction and how fresh they are because then that kind of helps you understand the pattern when they're traveling in which direction right Absolutely, because and and you can kind of already know because you're going yeah. to know topography, yeah. how they're going yeah. to work, right? Um, 
then once I start following those trails, because I'm real big on that, Chav's real big on doing that. You know, Chav, for years, man, you and I used to split up because, again, this is another thing I tell people too. If you got five guys in camp and it's the first day of the elk hunt, don't go five guys together. Don't go three guys together. Shoot, I wouldn't even go two guys together, man. Yeah. I would start hunt scouting in different directions to get as much information as you can. You know, it, it's a scatter is what we call it. But, Chav, when I, you and I used to scatter, what were your key things? What were you looking for? What was guiding you? Well, again, it, it, you know, you're talking about finding a, a trail, a worn trail, not necessarily a smooth one, because they may not be using it, but, you know, one with, with fresh track on it. And, of course, you know, it's the wind, but, you know, follow it. Um, but, you know, uh, just a little bit off the subject, there's, because uh, uh, I don't know if we're going to get to the question today. Are we going to get to the question today, you think? Yeah, we are. <laughs> I, I think yeah. we're, oh, okay. I think yeah, we're almost we'll make... about an hour in. Okay, I'll, yeah. then I'll save it uh, for that. But, yeah, uh, you know, just following the trail. And um, a lot of the times we started in opposite directions and we didn't, we'd end up in the same spot, which is kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, trying to cut a trail somewhere. And keep the wind at your face. Why do you think we ended up in the same spot, man? Well, I think uh, you know, like your fingers, right. they're all gonna they're all gonna meet in a certain spot. You know, you just follow. I, I may be following this trail, and you may be going up this trail, and yeah. eventually we end up in the same place. We we can be three miles apart at the bottom, and end yeah. up a half mile apart at the top. At the top, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah, or right on somebody. I mean, crazy how that works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And and Chad, that was his key thing, man. He realized that animal highways were the way to go. If you knew yeah. where they were traveling to, you'd find out where they just came from. And if you know where they came from, you can find out why they came from there. If you know where they're going, you can find out exactly where they're going to be during midday. Man. And we killed a ton of elk in that area between where they came from and where they're going. Right. The year I killed my big bull, we were on one finger coming up. You guys came across three or four fingers and then we just kind of, it just kind of went like this until we met, you know? But like I said, we came up one little finger chasing and you guys were pushing a herd this way and it all ran together. And before you know it, you guys were three, four miles from where y'all started. We're two or three miles from where we started, and we converge in the same little area. Oh, yeah. You know? And, uh, and, and I, I, I could hear people talking, walking up. I'm like, who in the world could that be? We're whittling on this bull, and we stand up, and it's Luis and Tucker. I'm like, oh, my gosh. God is, there is a God. We need help. <laughs> You know, uh, crazy how cool that was, man. And Joe and them had started so far away, you know. So that was really cool. And by playing that CSI, man, by being that person that recognizes and using all of those senses, using your smell, using your sight, right, Uh, using your hearing, we kind of eliminated that right now out of this, you know. But, you know, by doing that, by paying attention to terrain, 
and then finding where those trails are going within that terrain and then checking all the different signs that's there, you are going to now locate whether there are areas that have elk in them, right? right. So that's key. And you want to, on that day one of the hunt, man, uh, be ready, but be moving and locate and and verify everything from your e-scout. Now, if you've got multiple guys and you're like, okay, I'll verify this area, you verify this one, you verify this one. Now it changes it a little bit because now I can really hunt and check an area out. I can really do it in depth. I can see well what that bench looks like on there, you know, that that I found during the e-scout. Is it, you know, that's taking me to is that really a bedding area where that bench is, or was that misleading? I'm verifying, like Gilbert said, I'm eliminating where elk are not in my plan because I know that there's some areas that they're most likely not going to be unless they're just traveling through it because it doesn't have the focuses or the features for those animals, all right? So now, once you locate where elk are, now you need to find them. Now it's time to hunt them up. Okay. And there's two ways to go about this. First way is to use your knowledge to be where they are going at specific times or locations, whether it's wallow, whether it's water, food source, a main trail, right? Uh, travel those, you're going to travel those areas or locations that are giving you higher odds at an encounter. Guys, I'm going to talk about how elk hunting is like poker. That's going to be my next one, man. I, we talked about fishing. I'm going to talk about poker mm-hmm. because it's all about pressing the odds, man, to mm-hmm. those encounters. And it is not luck. There's not luck, man. You know, right. uh, I truly believe that luck is nothing but skill and opportunity. So that's something that you want to make sure that you're, that, that you understand on that. Right. So you can either do that and wait for an encounter within a high odds area and hope for an opportunity to present itself, or you can be in those destinations, in those travel areas, in those travel corridors and have them find you. I like to bring elk to me. I like to create my opportunities. And that is where we're going to go in part three, how to create those opportunities. Now that we've talked about locating, you understand about locating where elk are. Now we're going to talk about finding elk and the techniques and the steps we use for finding elk. That's going to be next time. There's a segue, man. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, that was, uh, again, we've said this a thousand times. Elk are slaves to their bellies. Um, You know, you find the feed and the water, and elk should be there but man, until you put boots on the ground it's really hard to figure that out you know and uh you, you know we've said this a thousand times where we hunt there's there's usually elk around there but we still have to make modified adjustments on how we're going to hunt them because uh, sometimes their habits change a little bit you know um, if we got them, if we got more acorns than we did one year or we don't have as much water as we did i mean those are the those are the kind of things that that you're talking about. And when we start out, if they just like you said, you're you're placed in the middle of a meadow, in the in a gut of a mountain or something, and you're looking around, going, okay, well, if I was an elk, where would I be? You know, and with your knowledge base of what elk do and 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 don't do, and where they're supposed to be, 
Those are the things that you want to look for. Mm -hmm. Just like what we've given you. You want to look for high traffic areas where they're going to feed corridors, where the water is, where the feed is. And, and when you've selected your hunting area, now it's time to figure out, okay, this is my core area. Uh, you know, I'm going to venture within 10 or 12 miles of all of this um, on any given day. So those are the areas that you need to be uh, proficient in and understanding how the elk are going to travel in and out of them. And I think we've broke it down really, really well for most of our listeners. Yeah, I, I hope they did, man. We're going to go to our Elk Bros mailbox. Uh, we've got the question here. We also had some questions from Brian Zakovec if we have enough time. If not, we'll get Brian in next time, man. But, uh, sure. Chad, why don't you go ahead and hit us off? Okay, this is from Ed Morris in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, Ed. He has two parts, <laughs> and he's got two parts. The first part says, I know you guys really like your Zolios for satellite communication. Curious as to why you chose that over a Garmin inReach or an Iridium, etc., other than the obvious cost difference. We are still shopping and educating ourselves and trying to decide which way to go. You want to answer that one first? Yeah. Yeah. So at least you I did can a help study on this. Yeah. yeah so I've got an Iridium, and I'll tell you why I'm not using it anymore. Go ahead, Louis. So, so uh, something I want to clarify. Um, Iridium is actually um, a service provider. Right. Uh, so, so you got three main service providers. You've got the Iridium, the Global Star, and the Inmarsat, and those are actual uh, networks of satellite communication. That's so, right. Iridium is is the one that has the highest service prices, but because they offer the most comprehensive global service. And uh, they they covering pretty much the entire planet. So there's actually a way in which satellites communicate. And it's just the relay on the Iridium is actually more effective because it just goes, you know, from the ground up to different satellites and then back to the ground instead of going up and down. I believe that's the, uh, the difference. But anyhow, Zolio uses Iridium. And I just wanted to clarify that. So that was one big plus for me on Zolio um, because they use that that network system. Now, the other point is like Zolio is simply a communicator that allows you to text um, back and forth and send SOS messages, which is really what I was looking for because at the end of the day, for satellite purposes while walking and tracking, we're using our phones nowadays. So I didn't want to pay for, I believe that the inReach gives you the ability to track you as you're walking. And to me, that's like, well, I don't need it for that. I just need to communicate. And for tracking my steps, we have the phone. So that's additional battery that I'll be spending on a different device for a feature that I don't actually need it for. So that's the reason why, you know, we kind of said, hey, let's try this. And plus you mentioned it, the the pricing difference mm. was a big, a big plus for that uh, device for us as well, because not only the price is, is, is way cheaper, and the, but the plans are way more affordable. So you can then pause your subscription and uh, for the entire year, all I'm paying is just $4 a month just to maintain that subscription, which I can simply reactivate, 
uh, by the time I'm getting ready to go or, or uh, hunting you don't again. Have to pause either. You can cancel and then pay a twenty twenty dollar reactivation. Winner the reactivation fee, yeah. but then you lose your number and then you have to go through the process again. So yeah. uh, that's why I prefer to do it that way. So those those are the main reasons why. Um, I decided to give Zolio a try and look, man, when I talked to Joe about it, he was like, oh man, this looks all good. So we both kind of uh, got the device and it just turned out that it performed to our, exceeded our expectations Absolutely. up in the mountains. Yeah. And, and we don't, we don't have any, any sort of a sponsorship or anything with these guys. Uh, I, mean, I, <laughs> I would, I would love to have, we want to, sponsor us, man, because yeah. I truly, Look, and, and this is what we say. We, we only want things that we believe in, man. Believe in. And, That's right. And, and I, I tell you what, I use it when I'm guiding. I, I guide on one of the premier ranches in this state. And because of its size, I still end up in holes where their radios don't reach. And that, that's just dangerous. And there's been times when my uh, Zolio device has become critical in recovering animals or getting people in areas to help us out. It's, it's been critical. And yeah. I can tell you when, when, when Luis told me about it and I started looking at the reviews, there were certain times that I heard that with some devices, there was text messages that weren't being received. And when you sent it, you had no idea whether those text messages were being received or if you were getting one. And the, the flashing light system on the Zolio tells you exactly when it's sending messages and it tells receiving. you tell yeah. when a message is being received. And so, you can pair it with your phone and it has an app on your phone that also tells you on the color of the checks of your messages whether they have been received or not. And you're not limited. If you use the app on your phone and your wife has the app, uh, now, if you're texting somebody that doesn't have the app on their phone, you're restricted per text. Um, it's unlimited, which I love, right? Yeah. So, um, but I'm limited but to like the, the length of the characters per text. Yeah. But if they have the app on their phone, it's all, it's basically unlimited, it's thousand something. And yeah. I mean, I've never got to the point where I need that much in one text. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm able to give great messages we were able to communicate together using it not only for benefit of of safety but we used it for strategy we used it to yeah. find out and, and tell people where to go what we're doing and where yeah, we're that last thing i was telling you where elk were coming from exactly. yeah exactly i'm telling you you know we found some bulls and you you guys were coming up from the bottom of them and i could tell you exactly what that herd was doing you know, and it is it was, one solid device man and it is, man. It in the worst of conditions we have it's it light and also the battery la lasts battery. a really long time battery life battery life. yeah yeah so uh, i'll touch on the iridium because he may be talking about the phone actual right? phone yeah the actual sat phone i had one for many years guys and they are very very expensive um it would cost me a, about twelve hundred dollars a year to have that phone and generally i only used about 125 minutes a year you know and the what what they make you pay is they pay you pay 1250 dollars for a thousand minutes 250 dollars for the phone and a thousand minutes a dollar a minute well i don't need a thousand minutes 
So, uh, you know, after a couple of years of paying $1,000, look, I know my safety is worth more than $1,000, no doubt. And it was great to have it in camp because the guys could call their wives, everything else, right? But I really only used 125 to 150, maybe 200 minutes at the most all year. So that 800 and some dollars, I was just flushing down the drain, right? So when Luis came up with the Zolio idea and, and Joe, I just decided to call Global Star, who was my carrier. I had an Iridium phone with a Global Star network. And, you know, I said, guys, I, I can't I can't pay another thousand dollars. And they're like, well, we'll buy your phone back. I said, absolutely not. I paid for that phone. It's mine. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, can y'all give me a package that's better suited for me? And they said, well, uh, no, we can't. I said, well, is there somebody other than you I can talk to you about this? Because let me have a supervisor or something. You know, if I could cut it to $350 a year, you know, and only have 150 minutes, I'd be good. Well, they wouldn't budge. Well, what incensed me, and I'm telling you, I was madder than a wet hen. They called me back six weeks later and told me, well, you know, we could offer you an additional $450 discount and give you those thousand minutes for 600. Now, mind you, I've had this phone for five years, okay, and or four or five years. And now all of a sudden they're calling me and telling me they can give me a $450 discount after I've been paying full price the whole time. Dude, I lost my ever. That's like direct TV and all yeah. the. TV. I lost my <laughs> ever-loving mind on these people. I said, I tell you what, the only way you're going to get my business is if you give me 200 minutes for $200, and that's it. That's all you're getting out of me because yeah. it's a dollar a minute. You guys have already said that, and they're like, well, sir, we can't do that. Well, then you're not getting my business because I'm not paying you. I'm not paying you $700 for a $1,250 minute deal. I'm not doing it. And you I know, said, you are. And you were charging me $1,250 five minutes ago. Now you want to charge me $700. So here's the deal. You can get $300 for 200 minutes, and that's it. I, you know, I'm done negotiating with you people. It, it made me so mad, Joe. I will never use Global Star ever again. You Sorry, know, guys. Bro, you know what? I, I know some place where there's a, a baby goat. And for- <laughs> <laughs> I need 30 minutes for that baby goat. Y'all don't look at me funny for going 30 minutes for that goat now. Oh, that's hilarious, man. But, that's you know, awesome. the other thing is about that sat phone is, is that so many times, I mean, you, you, it's one of those things that you had to go even hard to get reception. And you had to hold one arm to the side and you yeah. had to reach your hand out. And- it never not worked, though. Well, uh, every right. time I ever dialed the phone, it, it, we it, had to stand in certain places and stuff like that, yeah. you know, and, 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 and it was kind of iffy sometimes. But And when that happens, when you lose connection, you're kind of like, especially if I'm borrowing Gilbert's phone and he's paying yeah. a dollar a minute and I'm losing connections. I'm like, you know, at least now when I text, me and my wife can just text and we can say everything. Absolutely. Like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it worked yeah. out really good for us, right? Yeah, you can get all the goo-goo gaga words out you want, buddy. <laughs> and, and look, yeah, you don't have the ability to speak to somebody on the phone, but, you know, we know that. And then and then also every once in a while we're just in a spot in the mountain where we catch a little bit of reception, and then we use oh, yeah. that time to communicate yep. and yeah. talk to people on the Wherever phone Bob if we need to. Goes, we know <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when we're in the, when we're in the middle of setup. 
you know, ready to bring, bring, you know, with elk coming our way, that's usually the best time. Mr. Morris, you will not be disappointed in a Zolio. Yeah, again, depending depending on what you want it for, right? So, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Ed has a second part to his question. He says, "We all live in a high state of technology now." And items such as YouTube, podcasts, videos, et cetera, can provide a really high level of information to outdoorsmen on all items from backcountry camping to elk hunting. But some of us old school guys still prefer to pour a stout drink and sit back and read some of the older books from such noted authors as Jack O'Connor, Erwin Bauer, Elmer Keith, Dean Hill, et cetera. Do any of you guys ever go back and read some of the classic outdoor books? There is a wealth of information in some of those books. And that's where I was going to, when we were talking about um, locating elk, uh, you can always get a nugget or two from from the old timers because, you know, they've been at it for a long, long time. And uh, anytime you get a little nugget, it enhances your knowledge. And I recall reading, uh, and I don't know the source, but uh, what one guy does is, you know, he puts a, the boots on the field, of course, and he says anytime you see, uh, uh, look for ribbon that people leave out there that they haven't uh, collected. He said that generally indicates that there is a kill in that area, so that could be a corridor. For, and he also said look for bones, especially if you can determine if, if it was a, a uh, uh, killed by a by a person instead of a mountain lion, or even a mountain lion, in an sure. area that's not their bedding area. That also indicates that that could be a travel corridor. Now, if you find bones in the dick in the pond, thick <laughs> timber, <laughs> that could be a bear prey yeah. over there. So yeah, that's a little bit yeah. different. But you can get little nuggets like that. So yeah, yeah it, anytime you read anything about elk, it, it doesn't hurt. There's a there's a really good book by a couple authors. Um, now these may be infamous authors, but uh, the the book is called Base Camp, and the authors are Joe Gillia and Chav, <laughs> Chavez. Yeah. And uh, so that's a great read right there if you're really in for a good read with a bunch of nuggets right there, yeah. brother. Tons of nuggets. Look, I, one of the one of the cool books I got was from Chad Boddington, who's an aficionado on elk anatomy and North American big game anatomy. And uh, he's got, if you've not read it, it's a North American big game book and it is really good, but it's an older version of it. But man, it breaks down North American big game like you wouldn't believe and really in depth pictures and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, Ed, no doubt. We, uh, we like the old books too and the new books too. Yeah. And I can appreciate the vibe of, Hey, being at camp, just sitting back, relaxing, open up yeah. a good book and, and just kind of enjoy the read. So no, we that's a great question one too there. Ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, it's a uh, good question. Uh, Mr. Morris. And Thank and you I'll for, throw, I'll throw okay. a nugget out to you there. Ms. Morris is that, uh, Ed, if you go check out CJ box, um he um he does some really really cool stories um uh that are based on a game warden in wyoming i believe chad right in you know, wyoming. Yeah. Uh, wyoming or montana i'm not sure which one yeah it's it, i think it is wyoming but uh it, it, that's a good point i mean the game wardens probably have a ton of incredible questions or i mean stories and knowledge well yeah, knowledge, yeah, he's a good writer 
good writer uh, and gives a lot of factual information. A so. lot of factual information. And what I like about it too is they there's a lot of you know social issues that are questions concerning the outdoors that become the basis of those books and really yeah. make you look at arguments from both sides and from two different views and ties that in with the outdoor lifestyle and and adventure and everything else mystery just a really really great read um uh so cj box cj box yep absolutely so there we go man fantastic stuff joe as usual we come with some really good topics for our listeners you know guys if you like what we're doing please subscribe rate and review us you gotta go to apple podcast gilbert gilbert yes gilbert not a single review this month man i I, i'm like yeah i'm like a kid a sucker yanked out i mean people have been so (laughs) cool man with those things and we didn't get one this month Uh, we got one early in the month i'm sorry we did get one early in the month but right no uh guys please man show some love we'd appreciate to see yeah, it especially now that we didn't get we didn't draw man we didn't just, draw yeah man we need a little bit some need balance balance there, yeah. a little bit of love a lot of freaking love man That's yeah we need a bunch of goats yeah. y'all bring us a bunch of goats <laughs> man we're in definite need you know yeah. again guys you got to go to apple podcast or itunes to review us and check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com and just a reminder if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show please send your questions to info at elkbros.com that's i-n-f-o at elkbros.com fantastic content guys can't wait to next week like we say here in texas husbands kiss your wives wives kiss your husbands hug your babies keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry and we'll see you next week right here on blue collar elk hunting Absolutely, man. For all of our guys, thank out you, there, everybody. Here's some more music from our brother Tony Winthrop closing out the show. God bless everybody. Peace, Peace guys. Peace. I got a whole bag of tricks for five by fives and six by six. Whether there's snow or a bit of rain, all that mountainous terrain. I got a pair of boots that fit just right, and Phelps calls get them close to my side. When I pull the string and I watch that carbon hit, I just elk it. Man, I just elk it. I just elk it. I waited 350 days. I watched the wind blowing from my old ways. And I watched the path that he walked in the fall. And there's no failure in my head when all I'm tracking is red. With the fist pump to the sky when the beast is dead. I just elk it. Oh man, I just elk it. I just elk it. Like a baseball bat 
His body's as big as a rodeo bull. I'm a cowboy on his back. I slip the buck knife under his skin. I quarter him up with a big old grin. And I feel the pack with the gold that I'm gonna be eating. I just elk it. Oh man, I just elk it. I just elk it. This rack is turning heads upside down. The cooler's on and he's gonna start chilling on down, down, down. I just elk it. Man, I just elk it. Oh, I just elk it. 